Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Has the spark in your happily ever after dim ever wondered why the forbidden is so enticing? Tune in as we uncover the mysterious erotic equation of our desires. Hello there, I'm Dr. Nazanin Moali, and you're listening to episode 348 of Sexology Podcast. Today, we're going on an enlightening journey into the realm of psychological seduction and what makes our intimate connections tick. This is part of our sexual novelty and bucket list series, and I know that we talked a lot about how to build physiological novelty in the relationship, and today, I wanted us to talk about something more psychologically focused. So we are going to talk about the erotic equation. I'm thrilled to introduce our esteemed guest for today, Pamela Madsen, a true trailblazer in women's wellness and a visionary behind Back to the Body. Pamela's groundbreaking approach to self-discovery has transformed lives across the globe. With her stellar appearances on platforms like Opera, 60 Minutes, and her empowering book, Shameless, she shattered taboos and ignited powerful conversations about female desire and body image. In today's deep dive, we're exploring the elusive erotic equation and what it reveals about our deepest desires, the reasons behind the waning intensity of passion as couples journey into their forever after, the intriguing role of obstacles in maintaining relationship excitement, balancing warm sex and enduring relationship with the blazing passion we all crave, and of course, the fascinating allure of the forbidden in our sexual psyche. Why do we often yearn for what just out of reach? 
So if you are interested in this conversation, make sure you're staying and listening all the way to the end. Also, I want to take a moment and make a request from you guys. So today is my birthday and I have a request, huge favor from you. If you have been listening to this show for a while, or if you're just joining us and you are curious about the show, you find the content useful, the biggest gift that you can give me is to take a minute and write an honest review in whatever platform you're listening to this podcast to. It really helps this show to rank higher in different channels. And that would be the biggest gift for me. I love reading your reviews. It just energizes me. And I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Sexual Health Alliance. All your avid listeners out there hungry for more in the world of sexuality. Dive deeper with Sexual Health Alliance. Not only they provide top-tier education with a world-class expert, but they also bring together a vibrant, sex-positive community. And I can testify to that. I took one of their study abroad program with Justin Lay Miller, and I got connected with their community. And whenever I go to a conference, these are the people I hang out with. First of all, they're very inclusive, and they have very interesting students, knowledgeable guests, and they're all so open and available for ASAC. I hang out with them at the bar and there's just so many wonderful, interesting educators, psychologists. Midori was there and she was talking about BDSM culture in Japan. It was very, very interesting. So if you are curious about the profession in sexual health or you want to expand your knowledge, that's certainly the program for you. Imagine attending events with fellow enthusiasts who are eager to learn, travel, connect, and yes, even for lasting friendships. Shaw makes learning about sexuality not just informative, but an absolute blast. Discover their electrifying events and online programs at sexualhealthalliance.com. Trust me, it's a party you won't want to miss. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Pamela Matson to our show. Pamela, welcome to our show. <laughs> I love that introduction. I feel welcome. <laughs> well, I know that when we connected, you had so many topics and they were all fantastic. And I was like, oh my God, I want her to talk about all of it. So I'm glad that we have you on this show. And one of the things that I want us to kind of focus on is an erotic equation. For our listeners that they're, they're not familiar with this concept, what do we mean when we say erotic equation? Well, first of all, I want to cite Jack Morant, Dr. Jack Morant and the erotic mind. And he was one of my teachers and he created the erotic equation. And so it's a formula for being turned on. And it's the equation that's used for every romance novel you've ever read. It's Romeo and Juliet. It's all about these little key factors that exist for desire. So the first part of the erotic equation is prohibition. You can't have it. Naughty, naughty. Bad things will happen, right? So prohibition. The next part of the equation is obstacle. So, all right, I know I can't have it and I want it. And what's the obstacle outside of the 
prohibition, which may be religious or cultural, societal, the obstacle could be distance. It could be marital status. It could be any number of things. It could be the obstacle. It could even be religion, right? All of that creates this lovely thing called yearning. So then we yearn. And the more we yearn, the more we feel desire. And that's the whole thing. And if you read, as I said, any romance novel, it always starts with prohibition, an obstacle. And then they're yearning. And there's the desire. And they find each other. And they get married. And then they never tell you what happened. <laughs> this exit stops for many people. <laughs> exactly. Then it's over. But I think what's great about knowing the erotic equation is especially for monogamous folks, long-term married folks, is how do you create the erotic equation in your life? So, you know, yeah, maybe you've been with him or her for a long time or whatever it is, or maybe even not. Maybe you're dating. And you really want like to really get the other person thinking about you. So how can you set up obstacles? How can you set up prohibition? You know, maybe that you and your partner think that sexting is like really nasty, right? That's prohibitive. You wouldn't do such a thing, right? Like you push that envelope a little bit and you sent a sexy picture and you said something suggest and then something very suggestive to your partner in a way that would not be normal for you, in a way that would stir the seeds of, oh, that's so naughty. I don't know. What are they thinking, right? And then set up the obstacle, you know, I'm going to be here, you know, between here and there. And I know you have an important meeting, but if you can figure it out, I'm going to be in room 102 at the Hampton Inns. And your name's at the front desk. But I know you you can't because you have that meeting. Or you're in New York and you'd have to fly to L.A. and you'd have to get here by tomorrow at six o'clock. Like what obstacle can you set out for your person to have to jump through? Like, oh, I want that. I want that. And, you know, like, so it's kind of like dogs with bones, right? That dog wants, wants, wants to get the bone, wants to bury the bone, wants to pick it up again. And so does that make sense to you? Absolutely. You know, oftentimes people talk about like, for example, Helen Fisher's study, right? That like how people go through different stages. And sometimes the message we get that like in the commitment phase and then the relationship is deeper and sex is not passionate. But what I'm hearing is that you can incorporate things to bring up excitement. So you're talking about prohibition, which is very interesting so are we doing things that are prohibited for us or for the partner? How can we figure out that part of equation for our relationship? I think that's where we're paying attention is important, right? I mean, the fact is, is that we don't really pay attention. We don't really give each other presence after a certain point. So you need to like pay attention to maybe what is the prohibition turn on. So you could know, let's say, that your partner. So let's, let's just say off the bat, right now in this moment, I'm talking about cisgendered, heterosexual couples. Okay. And I'm sure that whatever I'm talking about can be applied to everybody. But in this moment, this is the conversation. And you've sort of noticed, now I'm the woman, you've sort of noticed, maybe looking over his shoulder, 
on the computer, a tidbit in a conversation, that your partner is interested in anal sex. Actually, your partner is interested in you penetrated them. And that feels like a big prohibition to them. Because this guy is a heterosexual normative guy and he's having fantasies about you pegging him. Pegging is the politically correct term. So entering him, penetrating him with a dildo, with a hand, with a finger. And, but it's a prohibition for him because he aligns that with not being straight. And for this man, not being straight is prohibited. So, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't do that because that's too gay. Right. Oh, really? Hmm. You should talk about this thing that is too gay an awful lot. So what if I went and bought a strap on and a dildo and maybe a book like Bend Over Boyfriend, great old book, and some lube, lube, lots of lube, okay? And you're not going to be able to peg him right away. You're going to start with with touching his anus and and maybe using a finger. So don't get too enthusiastic, okay? His fantasies and his bodies are two different things. So noticing, okay, so that's a prohibition. He's, but he talks about it. There's a curiosity there. The obstacle may be for me. Like, what do I know about that? I've never done that. How do I feel about playing with gender roles? How do I feel about that? How is he going to feel about that? You know, oh, and I have to buy a strap. Ooh. Okay, mama never taught me anything about that. So there may be some obstacle there for you as your turn on. Like you're seeding his turn on with prohibition and the obstacle is you've got to do this. You got to find out about it. You've got to set it up, right? And so it may create a lot of arousal for you. And teasing him, you know, honey, I've been thinking lately, but what what would it be like if you were penetrated instead of me? And you have to just like light taps. And this may take a little while. Remember, you know, it's like, how do you simmer things in relationship? And then setting it up. Maybe you leave the toy on the table. Oh, look, what came in the mail? Mm. So you get the idea. Fascinating. So we wanted to, there's so many good things in what you describe. Like part of it is kind of like building this element of anticipation. Something juicy is coming up, but also kind of getting curious and being intentional with our partner. Like they are interested about something, being curious about them, right? So sometimes people talk about disconnected sex when their partner is in their own fantasy and they are in their own fantasy. There's just not that exchange of energy. So I think what you're talking about is very beautiful because the buildup of that erotic energy between couples and it seems like an element of taboo can make it more delicious for people. Absolutely. And you know what? You can use this in your own life for yourself. So people talk about low libido and I say, oh, you oh, you mean you're bored? Oh, you've got boredom. Got it. Mm-hmm. So, so I have something that's happening. So I just came back from a big, three-week work trip and I'm only home for five days. Bad, bad wife, bad, bad wife, right? And I have chosen to go to Amsterdam tomorrow to take a certification course. And prohibition is that as a good wife who travels for work, I should be home tending my husband. I've been with him for 40 years. I've been with him since I'm 17. Wow. I I should, yeah, wow. I should get a merit badge. So 
you know, people ask, what's the secret? Not getting a divorce. There, there you go. There's the secret. <laughs> we, we did a leap. So setting it up for myself, my own turn on, like living in my own arousal, right? Was, well, I shouldn't be doing this. It's naughty. I should be being home. You know, it's the summer. You know, the obstacle. Well, the obstacle is, is the man. You know, I have to tell him money, travel, time. And it created tremendous yearning in my body to want to go and take this training in Amsterdam and desire for it. And I'm going and I can feel my whole body feel alive. Like I can actually feel energy, arousal energy in my vulva that comes up my body. And so I can do this around a cupcake. I mean, honestly, like let's do it around a cupcake. All right. You shouldn't have a cupcake. No, 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 no. Your doctor said you should not be eating sugar. You know, it's going to get more, you know, it's not good for your body weight and your heart. And, but I want that cup. No, no, no. Okay. How do I get the cupcake? Well, it's raining outside. Damn. I don't want to get wet. That's the opposite. And it's downtown in Manhattan. Well, now I want that cupcake, Naz, more than anything. Okay. It's like, shouldn't have it, it's not convenient, and then I really want it, and I have that desire. And so when we talk about low libido or feeling bored or not feeling turned on in our life, how can you take the erotic equation and insert it everywhere? You want to, people love talking about living a turned on life. Oh, I'm a turned on woman. I'm always turned on. Okay, sure. What tools are we giving people to really live a turned on? And what what's your responsibility as the person to live a turned on life? And sometimes it's as simple as knowing little tricks and being willing to give it to yourself and or give it to your partner. Cupcakes, now I want one. Yes, yes. And I, and I was thinking about, you know, how sometimes in diets, they say like, you know, like take it out of the house and then kind of like that makes it even more delicious, right? I think as you talk right. about obstacles and now you have to kind of work for it in a way. Yes. You know, and, and so basically as humans, we have this ability to adjust to happiness. We, you know, it's like I used to teach kindergarten in another time. I know that might frighten some people, but I used to teach kindergarten. And there was a story about the old lady in the sea. I don't know if you know the story. And the, the old lady, she, she got some kind of wish from the ocean. It was maybe it was a magic bottle and she made her wish and she wished for a little house. She was so happy with that little house. She never had a little, damn, she wanted a bigger house. And then she wanted you know, more gold and she wanted more this and she wanted more that because we, we adjust to whatever, to whatever we have becomes the new normal. And so whatever you've yearned for, once you've gotten it, it's become the new normal. And so if we know that that's true, how do we continue to change our new normal so that we can find excitement, so we can find desires, so we can find turn on, not just with our partner but in our own lives. Because if you are actually living with a turn on in your body, I don't care where you're sourcing it from, whether it's my trip to Amsterdam or getting the cupcake, that energy, that 
that vibe translates to the erotic and will translate to your partner, will translate to your own self-pleasure practice. I love that. So it's more of kind of even we can bring the element of mindfulness and engagement in our mind, right? Like now we're thinking about the cupcake. So I'm, when I'm getting to the cupcake, I'm very present. The flavors, the texture, all of that. And we want to kind of have that in kind of sexual encounters, hopefully if, if it's just someone as our long-term partner, because I know those are the relationships that tend to be warm and not passionate. I know you've had this fabulous writing on this topic and the writing you talk about form cornerstone of eroticism. Can you tell us about the other cornerstones? So, you know, when we talk about the foundations of, of the erotic, like what do we use to engage in the erotic? And in my practice, what we use is breath. Oh. Can you move your breath? Sound, right? Can you make sounds? So breath, sound, movement, and touch. And I'm hoping that that's what I wrote of that. Well, it's not. This is an updated script. <laughs> there you go. So it's an updated script. So again, these are tools that everyone can start using in their life. So are you holding your breath when you're in the erotic? When we hold our breath, Naz, we're not feeling. We're actually freezing. And we don't always know that we're holding our breath. And so like the checking in with self, am I breathing? Am I making sounds? So what sound does is it frees, frees us up. It also turns our partner on. So a lot of us are auditory. And so to hear you go, yes, more, thank you. Just like that, using words, using just, just sound growling, you know, yummy sounds, learning how to literally move your body. So many people, especially women, oh, men too, we're, we're like, we're like mannequins. You know, I've had a woman on the table. A lot of people may not understand. I do sexological body work and we work on a massage table through one-way touch. And a woman may come saying, I want to let go. I want to be open. That's terrific, sweetheart. I hear that. You want to open. I want to open. I want to open. Great. What I'm noticing is that your legs are closed. Can you notice that your legs are closed right now? Oh, my legs are closed. But they're not even aware somatically what's going on in their bodies. So, oh, great. Can we open those legs a little? Like, what would it feel like to open those legs? And getting that somatic memory of what it is to open, right? What is it? to move our bodies, to change positions. Oh, are we getting into our heads that I need to move my body? If I'm starting to think about laundry during sex or masturbation, so partner, not partner, if I'm thinking about other things, a foundation is move your body, shift position, right? And then the last one is touch. So we need touch. And we know, scientifically know, that dopamine is released, even with touch to your arm, dopamine is released. So people get very focused on genitals. And if you really want to talk about foundations of the erotic, it's the whole body. It's the whole body. And you don't want to get to the genitals right away. You want to spend time touching all of the body, like stroke hair. Like one of the things that women comment about so much is when a practitioner brushes 
their hair, like getting their hair brushed, touched is such a turn off. And so in this new iteration of the four foundations of the erotic, I present to you breath, sound, movement, and full body touch. Isn't that beautiful? You know, but touch, I feel like touching, it's a skill. Like some people are more more skilled in it, especially erotic touch. And some people are not as, their touch is not as powerful. So what are some of the tips that you have for those of us that wants to make the touch more meaningful and erotically charged? That's a big question. I would start with understanding what's my direction of touch. Who is this touch for? So people don't really think about that, right? So what's it out of the erotic just for a, a, a different way of looking at that? Who is the touch for? So your girlfriend is crying. You're uncomfortable. You're anxious because your girlfriend is, is crying. So you put your arm around her or you start petting. How many people have petted their friends, right? Now, are you petting them to comfort them or are you actually comforting yourself? by touching them. So who is the touch for? When I'm in an erotic space, it helps me to know, well, am I touching him for my pleasure or am I touching him for his pleasure? What's the direction of this touch? So am I am I giving or am I receiving? And I can be touching for my pleasure, right? Just like I can be receiving for my pleasure. And so getting Better at touch also involves the mind. Always ask yourself, who's this touch for? Like, what am I showing up for here? I also think starting with or growing, you're watching Netflix or something with your partner. Sweetie, give me a slip. Have some cream. Always have some beautiful cream around. And do a foot massage. Like, how does that feel, right? Teach your partner a few key words. Slower, faster, deeper, softer. Just like that. Those are easy words. Slower, faster, harder, softer. Just like that. We're not mind readers when it comes to touch. So if you can practice those words with your partner around a non-charged experience, hand massage, foot massage, scalp massage, right? And, and verbalize these things with your partner. I want us to try to use these words to make the quality of our touch better. Would you practice? Can you practice with me around, you know, who is the touch for? So there's a great, like, there's a great dream minute game that you can play around touch where you touch for my pleasure or you take. Taking touch, giving touch that you can play with your partner and you take three minutes and where can I touch? And it's boundary. And usually you have to learn to stay within those places, not break those boundaries. And they're good exercises. You know, I read something today about, so I'm very focused now on arousal. Arousal is like very, very big for me. And and I'm really interested in the altered states that people can experience and expanded arousal. And this all relates to what you're talking, what you're asking me around touch and foundation and the erotic equation. All of this is all a part of like this recipe that we call good sex or having a great sex life, right? So today I was reading a quote from Dr. Joseph Kramer 
And he said, everyone has the potential to have expanded arousal. Most people aren't willing to practice. And that's what's true around touch. And that's what's true about sex and communication and relationship. We want that we want, we live in a society that wants to be fixed, right? We want the pill. We want the cream. You know, we want the three, three tips to a better life. And honestly, it's practice. So I can tell your viewers and share with you, Naz, all these great ideas, but you have to practice them. You have to actually make time and decide that this is a priority for you and you want to be a good toucher. So I want to be a good toucher for this person. Because you know what I say to guys who want to be a great lover for women and they'll say, well, I've been with lots of women. And I'm like, well, great. You haven't been with this woman. What do you know about this woman? So if you've been with women, you, you're, it's about that woman, that man, that human. So every time you're with a partner, a new partner, yes, you may have information from other lovers or other partners or from the book you read or the course you took, but you've got to be willing to learn that partner. And that means paying attention and asking questions. So if I say to this partner, I would love to give you a foot massage and I would love feedback. I want you to tell me harder, softer, you know, just like that. And then he may say, oh, I hate my feet being touched. Oh, well, that's really good information. Then I'm not going to suck his toes <laughs> when we're making love because he doesn't like his feet being touched. Or he may say something like, oh, I haven't had somebody rub my feet. That's so hard. You want to do that. And I'll tell you a secret. If he's liking his foot being touched, he's going to love his toes being sucked. So you, you start to learn about people by paying attention and doing small bits, small bits. And that's how we learn to give touch. Does that make sense? Oh, I love it. Yes. And so many levels. First of all, I think what take care's touch is the one that I see most of my clients struggle with. Like when I say like touch your partner, they often do it in a what kind of having in mind what the partner likes. But if you say like touch for your own pleasure, right, especially with cisgender heterosexual female, I see that there's a, a challenge. We talk about it in therapy often that they say like, I don't know. Then they go to this mindset of what I want to do it for them. So having this intentionality is really important. Who am I touching for? And kind of being open with the feedback, thinking about it as a data point, right? Kind of thinking Absolutely. about Buy a massage table, everybody. Okay, Amazon will deliver it, okay? And you can get it for like a hundred bucks and whatever color you want. I think that the massage table is one of the best sex toys out there. It's one of the best toys out there. You create a space. You said, I want, how do you learn how to give good touch? Well, you practice. And what you talked about, receiving, learning how to receive, learning how to, take touch, learning how to give touch. So setting an intention with your partner, set up a massage table, find music that you both like, get, we use organic coconut oil. You don't have to get so fancy. You want to get a little fancy, heat it up, get go to your kitchen, warm it up, get some hot water. It's delicious sprinkled on the skin. What's great about a massage table is that you can walk all around it and the body is like sort of laid out in a ritual so vulnerable for the human, 
right? That is laying on the table. And maybe the game is as a woman, I am going to enjoy his body. I am going to learn. I'm, and I'm like, darling, how would you feel about being my juicy bone? Like, I want, can I use your body for my pleasure? Like, how would you feel about me using your body for my pleasure? Well, I can guarantee, take this to the bank. Okay. He's going to be all in on this. He's going to be all in on this game. And that's an opportunity for you as a woman. Like, smell him. Like, what does he smell like? Do you like his smell? Is it a delicious scent? Can you tell him? Mm, I love how your armpits smell. Like, ah, that musky smell between your legs is delicious. Can you give feedback? Now, if you're a man listening, she needs the same. She needs to know that she smells good, that she tastes good, that she's beautiful to you, and that you want to either take or you want to give. And for most women, learning how to receive will be the hardest, as you said, I think. Learning how to receive pleasure. And so if the game is set up that, darling, no touching back, I want you just to lay back. I want you to be a pillow princess. And I want you to tell me harder, softer, faster. Just give me the words, baby. I want to hear sound. I want, I want to hear your breath. I want to hear you moan. If you want to move, I'll help you. We'll dance together on the table. So it's really kind of a seduction in a way. And it's also setting a framework. So today you're, you're going to be receiving. Tomorrow you're going to be taking. And how do we take turns doing that? And it may fit in beautifully with your erotic equation because it may feel, oh, there could be kids and obstacles and family and time. And where would we put a massage table anyway? And what would the housekeeper think if she found it? Or my mother-in-law, right? And so all the things that we're talking about now is can be all wrapped together to support people in having a more embodied and nutritious erotic life. Beautiful. Well, you know what at times I talk about with my own clients, they feel bored in the bedroom. We talk about incorporating novelty. Where does novelty, do you, do you suggest that to people? Where does that come into equation? I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, we all like novelty, right? So here's a game. I'll give everybody, this is a couple's game. So you go with your partner to an erotic, an erotic store, an erotic shop, toy store. Now you can do this online. Like you each have your laptops. Okay. But let's pretend that you, you're going to, you're going to make this a date and you're going to go out for dinner. You're going to at least set some time around this. This is like a sexy night out. And you both go in and you each get your own baskets and you say to each other, okay, you have 15 minutes and I'll meet you back in front of the loop. And everybody fills their basket with something that turns them on, something that is exciting they want to try. And sometimes not speaking it, but showing it, it's just easier for people, right? So like, it's really hard to say, I want a spanking. Like it took me a long time to be able to say, I want a spanking, but I could put a paddle that I'm comfortable with. Like maybe it's not a great big wooden board, right? But maybe it's like a soft little leather thing with fur on one side to start out with a knife. My partner may not know I'm into that, but if I put that in the basket, they're going to see that. Oh, really? 
maybe rope goes in the basket, you know, maybe a vibrator, maybe a loop, maybe a costume, maybe something that you want to watch or a book. Right. And you meet again and you get to look in each other's basket. Oh, I mean, I did this with my husband and he put a strap on with a dildo in his basket and it took me a minute to realize that that was actually for me to wear. <laughs> oh, this was a long time ago. I was like, huh. Oh. So, so another rule in this game, and I'm sure people have heard this before, there's no yucking of the yum. So you're not allowed to say, that's disgusting. Or I would never do that. Or what are you thinking? That's gross. So you're not allowed to do that. And that's got to be set. Like the rules and the boundaries. You got to talk about it before you do this. Like, okay, we're going to be vulnerable here. And we're going to show you, I'm going to show you and you're going to show me a part of yourself that maybe we don't talk about. And then you buy, you look in each other's basket and you buy three things from each other's basket. Like, oh, I, I'd be willing to do that. Oh, honey, I didn't know you wanted to be tied up. And by the way, lo lots of big, strong, domily dom men love to be tied up and take it. And there may be rope in the basket that he puts there. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Is that for you? Or is that for me? Would you want to take turns? And so like learning how to talk with each other. I have done this on couples retreats. And I can tell you that people don't just buy the three things in each other's baskets. I, they bought the whole basket. <laughs> and then you know, and so that's a way of spicing it up. That's a way of finding novelty in the relationship. It's a way of offering each other presence, communication, and playing even with the erotic equation. I love that. Such a creative way of show and tell, right? I'm telling your partner what they like and what you like. And yeah, I think it's beautiful. Because it's really hard sometimes to say what we like. There's something about revealing ourselves through voice where sometimes nonverbal, it's like when, you know, this is a terrible example, but I'm going to use it anyway. With children who've been abused and they say with a doll, show me, show me on the doll where they hurt you. I'm sorry, terrible example. But why that's important is because saying something difficult or that's vulnerable or feel shameful can be really hard. But showing somebody can feel a lot less vulnerable than using words. And you'll get there. You know, what did I say in the beginning from Dr. Kramer? Practice. Sexuality is a practice. It has a lot of skills. It's not just like finding her clitoris. And, you know, if you can't find that, well, we can help you. Okay, it's it's not just about giving a good blow job. And what is that anyway? Hate the word. It's not a job. It's a pleasure. <laughs> blow joy. It's a blow joy. And if you don't see it as a blow joy, then don't do it. So if it's a job, you don't want to have that because they'll feel it. So, you know, it's a lot of skills. It's lifelong learning. And I'm still learning. I'm sure you're still learning. I'm still, every time I'm having an erotic encounter, I still run these things through my mind. Am I breathing? Am I making sounds? Am I moving? Am I communicating? Am I using my words? Am I using my body? How am I 
communicating with my lover? How do I communicate with myself? Well, I, I love all of this and I can talk to you for hours because it seems like <laughs> you have so many great insights when it comes to the world of eroticism. I know we're toward the end of our time. So for our listeners that they want to learn about you, your practice, workshops, what are some of the places they can find you? Well, a fun thing to do is come to my website, which is backtothebody.org and take the pleasure quiz. I think we call it the sexual wellness quiz because pleasure is like a verboten word. So take the pleasure quiz, get some answers and you'll get resources. So after you take the quiz, you'll find it. You can find me, of course, on Instagram at the Pamela Manson because some other woman with my name, you know, she got it first or back to the body. And on Facebook, of course, Pamela Madsen, I'm verified, not paid, just real verified on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there. And there are workshops, there are retreats, there are online classes and courses and our most exciting news is that we just had a study published about our work at Back to the Body and go check it out and learn about what's possible for everybody. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show. Thank you for doing the wonderful work that you do. And hopefully we'll have you back on our show in future. I'd love that. What an interesting journey in the psyche of desire and the complexity of the erotic equation. Thank you, Pamela, for sharing your incredible insights. The psychology of taboo is truly fascinating. Throughout history, taboos have held a powerful grip on societies, shaping behaviors, desires, and even identities. The forbidden has an allure that often transcends logic. Even there are a number of research studies suggesting that the very act of something being off-limits can heighten its appeal, intensifying our desire to explore, understand, and sometimes even partake. It's a dance between curiosity and constraint, one that can fuel passion, ignite fantasies, and push boundaries. But as we navigate these waters, it's essential to have guidance, support, and a community that understands the intricate nuances of sexuality. This is where our wonderful sponsor, Sexual Health Alliance, shines so brilliantly. They've crafted a platform that doesn't just educate, but foster genuine connections. Building a network of colleagues who truly get it can be game-changer. Whether you're looking for expert advice, seeking collaborative opportunities, or simply yearning to share stories and laugh with life like-minded professionals, Shaw is a place to be. Their community is vibrant, supportive, and simply amazing. It's not just about gaining knowledge. It's about building relationships that last. If today's episode resonated with you or sparked a new curiosity, reach out. And if you're craving more, delve deeper into the world of sexuality with the Sexual Health Alliance. Trust me, it's a journey worth taking. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration today. Remember, our desires, fantasies, and curiosities are windows into our souls. Embrace them, understand them, and most importantly, love them. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help 
from a licensed mental health provider.